Hello, my name is Amy and I'm the Director of Content for Business Today. In our second podcast series, I'm joined by Michael and Amanda, a former and current Schwarzman Scholar, in a discussion of how the program has been adapting to the COVID-19 crisis. Schwarzman Scholars is a highly selective one-year master's program at Tsinghua University in Beijing that is designed to prepare the next generation of global leaders for the challenges of the future. The curriculum bridges the academic and professional worlds to educate students about leadership and about China's expanding role in the world. So hey, yeah, I'm Michael. Thanks for having me. I graduated from Princeton in the class of 2018. I was in the Woodrow Wilson School. Uh, and I'm a 2019 graduate of the Schwartzman Scholars Program. So I went straight there after I graduated from Princeton. And uh, now I am in New York and working as an investment banker, essentially in Midtown. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us, Amy. I'm excited to talk. I'm currently in my hometown of Helena, Montana, um, where I've been for a couple months now since coming home from the Shoresman Scholars Program. I'm a current scholar, I'm class of 2020. I graduated from Princeton last year in 2019, also from the Woodrow Wilson School. And I did certificates in East Asian Studies and Film Production as well and particularly was interested in kind of media and politics in China um, and how that affected uh, the U.S.-China relationship. Kind of other things I did on campus, I was in the dance community, I was in Body Hype, um, and then did other media stuff on campus, including with VT, um, some work on the magazines as well as a uh, designation. Um, so have fond memories of business today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. One of the first questions that we have prepared was just in light of the current crisis, how do you think having exposure to so many global backgrounds and also to the programming from Shoresman Scholars has affected the way that you're thinking about coronavirus and everything that's going around? So for me, as I mentioned before, I, I do have uh, prior experience living abroad and uh, spending time with people whose backgrounds are very different from my own. But spending time in China as a Schwartzman scholar was very different in the sense that you're actually living with these people. Uh, it's not just um, a class that you're taking with them or uh, like a, a seminar or a sports game that you're watching with them. You're actually living with them, eating, um, you know, like staying in the same uh, place, you're studying together, you are traveling together. And so you really get to, um, you know, bring down the barriers and talk with them to find out uh, how they think about the world and how their countries think about the world. So to bring it back to your question about the coronavirus, the time that I spent as a scholar helped me appreciate that different countries are dealt different hands. Uh, in the sense that uh, I think this is one of the few times in human history where almost every country on earth are suddenly faced with the same crisis, and that's this pandemic. And the way that they have responded to that is, uh, you could say, constrained by the political and social conditions of each country. Countries respond differently, and they what what worked in one country perhaps cannot be implemented in another. And I just simply hope that after this pandemic is over, we do get to take the good and the bad, the lessons that we've drawn from the experience so that each country can tailor 
responses to situations like this that are, uh, like I said, better in context with the uh, political and social conditions that they have. Uh, so that's just my two cents. In short, the kind of global exposure of the Shoresman program um, just highlights the importance of global cooperation and this in nowhere is that clearer than the current crisis. Um, and I think to kind of jump off of what Michael was saying, um, this has really shown that not only have countries been dealt different hands, but the world is more interconnected than ever. And every country, especially those with the capacity to do so, has an interest in helping other countries and improving circumstances everywhere because issues like this, the current, you know, health crises, but also climate crises um, don't know bounds or borders and the conditions in one country aren't isolated to that one country. Um, and so I think that this has just been a very stark reminder of the interconnectivity of the world that we're living in. Um, but something that has affected me more firsthand in being in the Shoresman program during this crisis um, has been access to this incredible network of perspectives from around the world as the country is working, as, as the world is, is, is confronting the virus. And it has given me a greater and if not disheartening understanding of how the rest of the world is perceiving American actions and rhetoric. And we, you know, over our group chats, people are, are debating things like the U.S. stopping all medical supplies exports or, um, you know, terminating funding to the World Health Organization. And our allies, um, all allied countries and from, you know, Canada to Latin American countries, like a classmate in Brazil have talked about how the perception in those countries towards the U.S. is changing and, and really this frustration towards the U.S. about uh, not being able to rely on an ally in, um, you know, times of need. And so hearing it directly from my classmates it's been a very eye-opening experience for how kind of the the role of the u.s is changing on the global stage as well as as other countries perceptions of it a question that goes off of both of your points is just it seems as though in the past few months there's been a series of events that have really strained u.s china relationships whether it's like developments within journalism technology and trade what role do you think the Schwarzman Scholars Program is going to play in changing this particular trajectory? The official mission of Schwarzman is to build a bridge between China and the world, but not just kind of an, an artificial one. It's really about developing deeper understandings of other countries so we can better understand where countries are coming from when they are pursuing their interests and um, kind of working towards some future of, of global cooperation. Essentially that it's more important to confront uncomfortable truths than turn away from them. And I think that Schwarzman provides a um, incredible opportunity and platform to do exactly that. Um, you're able with your peers to question and 
critique and debate very challenging issues that don't have a singular answer, um, but allow you to build kind of your own philosophy um, towards politics and international relations um, in a way that I hadn't had the opportunity to do before. Ideally, you know, if we're people who have a say in the relations in the future, we can expect a greater understanding or at least, you know, make some strides in improving the relationship. And we need that now more than ever. Yes, I think Amanda hit it right on the nail. Um, and so just to, just to add to that, I think one essential role that many of the friends of my cohort and also, um, you know, and the alumni classes above me, is that they're often the voices of representation, representing China and um, just explaining that uh, what other people in other countries might perceive about China and its citizens may not necessarily be true, as in the sense that there's miscommunication going on, or also representing the opinion that perhaps is simply a matter of a difference in opinion. Uh, and for me personally, um, you know, I, I've lived in China for six years before I attended the Schwarzman Scholars Program. And so I thought I knew the country quite well. Um, but let me tell you, the one year that I spent there um, really gave me exposure uh, to how people think and how people live in China. Um, and, you know, for example, uh, some, you know, I, I always had some ironclad beliefs about uh, certain, let's say, criticisms against China. Let's say, for example, the human rights uh, argument that's often made against the country. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a controversial uh, topic, but I personally had like my own opinion about it, but I spoke to several uh, Chinese uh, students as well as some high-ranking business executives in China. And the way that they perceived the situation um, was very enlightening. And I, and I just don't want to talk about the specifics because I don't want this to dive, dive into an ideological discussion. But it's the idea that I was confident in my beliefs about certain issues. And yet the year that you spend here, because it's so immersive, uh, because you're surrounded by all these talented people, but also because you're experiencing China in its bare nakedness, you start to reflect on your own assumptions, uh, assumptions that might have been preventing you from understanding a country that is already so misunderstood. Uh, and so that is one thing that the Schwartzman Scholars Program does so well. It exposes you to so many different aspects of Chinese society uh, in a short period of time. And so yes, it's absolutely uh, a necessary program. And I think many of the alumni have been great ambassadors uh, for their own countries as well as for China, wherever they go. To add on one more thing, I think that the program does a wonderful job also, and, and this is partly it, the, the experience among scholars as well as just living in China, is, you, you know, you, you are exposed to all of these different aspects of the country, as well as 
the, the, the different types of people there. I think what contributes to the misunderstanding of China is that people paint with such a broad brush about what the country is and who the people are that you hear in the media the, these statements about what all Chinese people think or you know, equate the government to the people. And while there are kind of philosophical debates there about um, the interplay between the two, you, but when you're living there for a year, especially when you're in an academic setting, you see how many different opinions and perspectives there are within, among your Chinese classmates and among the Chinese people that you meet, um, you know, on workplace visits or on trips to, um, companies, organizations, or um, other initiatives around the country. And so I think that that um, exposure to the different opinions that exist within China among Chinese people is a really important part of the program for kind of complicating the, um, complicating in a good way, the narrative around China. It seemed as though both of you benefited a lot from, you know, being immersed physically in China and also being able to have these conversations so naturally with the people around you, given that everyone is home now, just how has the program been adapting to the challenges posed by COVID-19? Yeah, that is a very important question. You know, the program truly is such a, an incredible and immersive experience and the value in large part is from living in China and living among the other scholars. We've also been very grateful and impressed um, with the way that the program has been able to adapt to these unusual times. Something I really appreciated is that all my professors have incorporated the current crisis into the content of the courses. And so in my Chinese political institutions class, we looked at the way that the bureaucracy and political structures affecting the Chinese response to the virus. And one of our writing assignments was to write a memo to the leading small group on the virus about um, kind of evaluating its current response and providing recommendations. Um, and so I think that that was one of like an example of taking this as a learning experience um, and and turning pretty unfortunate circumstances into something that can be used to our educational benefit. And then there's also been a really strong effort to maintain the, the Schwarzman community online through a continuation of the programs that we all had in the college from all of the guest speakers to our own community, the kind of peer learning uh, programs from kind of giving small talks about our personal expertise areas or interests to community discussions about current, current affairs. All of that stuff is continuing online um, in an effort to adapt to this and uh, one last thing, the speakers who, who are speaking to us right now are also people who either are directly working on virus related issues or they're, you know, like most people are right now, they, everyone is, is in their field thinking about how the virus affects their area of expertise. And so we had Andrew Ross Sorkin speak to our cohort as well as the alumni um, the Schwarzman alumni about the economic implications of the virus. We had the president of the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, Richard Haas, talk to us about uh, what this means for the world order. And so it really has been turned into a learning experience. So we can apply what we've been spending our year 
doing looking at global affairs and particularly China's role in global affairs to the current crisis. And uh, oh, and, and one thing that I wanted to add actually about uh, something that the program is doing is that uh, outside of the curriculum, I, I understand that the admissions office is really changing the way, at least this year, that they are generating interest in the program and doing their normal uh, admissions activities. Uh, so they, they've, they've accepted the fact that uh, the campus information sessions, the professional outreach programs, all of them are going to have to be virtual. Uh, that is the reality, but they are uh, juggling with different ways uh, to make sure that they do get the outreach that they want. And alumni actually play a big role in brainstorming ideas for this uh, and also making sure that uh, they're able to recommend qualified applicants from their own networks and also just volunteering for other types of activities such as again virtual info sessions or virtual reach out, uh, outreach sessions. The next question is also for both of you and perhaps you'll have a different take on it given that Michael has graduated from the program but what do you both miss most about not being on campus? The thing about the Schwartzman campus is that it, it really feels like a home. And uh, you, know, you could say the same about Princeton's campus. Uh, definitely that's the case. But as I mentioned before, the fact that you are living in such close proximity to these amazing people uh, really makes it a home uh, in China. And when you wake up, you can just leave your room and then immediately strike up an amazing conversation uh, with someone who lives across from you. When you sit down in the dining halls, uh, you can have some of the most controversial conversations while also being in a safe place. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing for me, just being able to open your door and to find someone uh, who you can genuinely enjoy uh, hours of your time with. Uh, and of course, there are so many other exhilarating things such as um, uh, the amazing food. I personally love the food there. Uh, but also uh, the fact that there are so many professors nearby, uh, there are so many activities to do with your fellow students. The fact that uh, it's actually so easy to get around in China and so, um, within a matter of hours, you could suddenly decide that you're going to go to, say, Xiamen with five or six other scholars, and then you buy your tickets then and there, and then you're out of the door uh, the next day. So all of those things I, I truly miss. And um, the next opportunity that I get, I would definitely go back to campus and uh, relish and relive my memories there. About sums up everything that I'm devastated I'm missing right now. I, the, the most important part of the Shoresman experience to me was the community and being, I think that some, something that is very unique about the Shoresman program compared to some other fellowships is that we are all living together in this one building that becomes your home, as Michael said, in China, um, but it's just a space of constant learning in really fun and also unexpected ways. And so even though I can still call up people and have great conversations 
you know, over FaceTime right now, it's not the same just kind of spontaneity that existed in the college where you could run into someone and strike up an interesting conversation about what you were researching or reading um, or make plans to do a trip that weekend to a new city in China. So those experiences that are pretty unparalleled are, are the ones that I miss the most. And I had so many, you know, hopes for the spring um, <laughs> that will not be fulfilled, but our whole cohort is hopefully not naively optimistic, but we are optimistic about returning at some point for a reunion and hopefully not, you know, for some meaningful amount of time to, to be able to, uh, continue some, or, or have some of the experiences that we weren't able to have uh, this spring in Beijing and around China. Um, but going back to the question, I guess, about the adaptation, it has been um, re telling, I guess, of the technical capabilities that we have now, but, you know, it's been, it's been possible to continue building relationships over, you know, virtually. It's, it's, it's not ideal, but it's nice to have um, a capability to continue to get to know people, continue to learn, even though we're not in the Shoresman space together. Glad to hear that both the alumni community and the present scholars have done a really great job just to adapt to everything that's happening. A question that kind of goes off of that is, given that there's been so much attention on COVID-19 and also on China as a result of it, what do you think are some of the really pressing issues and trends between China and the rest of the world that might be getting neglected at this point? One thing that always uh, surprises me about how other countries view China is that they still think of it um, as uh, very underdeveloped in certain aspects, uh, whether it's, you know, it's not a question of political systems, but just, just in terms of how people live their daily lives. Uh, there is this perception that I hear from, say, my friends in Korea or my friends in the United States that um, Chinese citizens live very uh, inconvenient lives. And uh, of course, you know, I, I do want to give credit to what Amanda said earlier about the, you know, China is such a big country and it's very, it's very unwise to paint broad generalizations, but at least in um, major cities, China is such an incredibly convenient place to live in the sense that uh, the digital infrastructure, the transportation infrastructure uh, is just so well developed that, to be frank, it blows uh, the United States and places like New York out of the water. Uh, and that's one thing that I wish uh, people in other countries would appreciate more because uh, going to China and really seeing how people live their lives, the fact that you don't even need to print your ticket to get on a train anymore in China. If you're a Chinese citizen, you just buy uh, the ticket on what is the equivalent of Facebook in, in China, it's called WeChat. And you don't even need to print a ticket. You just scan your social security card, which you have uh, when you enter the train and that's all you need to do. So just these little benefits um, make living in China so much more convenient. Uh, and as, as I said, that's one big reason why there's such a heavy emphasis on continued digital investments 
infrastructure development in China. Uh, but, and, and like I said, that, that's the core aspect that people I wish would understand better. And it's not just a matter of the coronavirus eclipsing uh, those things, but it's just not played up that much in the media, whether uh, it's in China or in the United States. So yes, I do wish people would pay more attention to that. So my kind of research area of interest is media control in China. And I, you know, that that has received a good amount of attention in regards to the coronavirus as various countries are kind of fighting over the framing of the virus, the origin of the virus, the response to the virus. Um, and and it's, it's really put the propaganda wars on full display. But I think that there is not necessarily enough attention given to other areas in which the kind of control of media plays out. Um, for instance, there is a big effort to um, kind of export a lot of Chinese state-run media and state-sponsored media. There are uh, programs to train scores of foreign journalists to go out to um, go out in the world to tell China's story well um, and fund media efforts in other countries to reshape the narrative um, from countries outside of China rather than just within China. Um, and I think that those issues of, of media control leaving China, because we all I mean, you know, if, if you study China at all, you learn about the, the censorship that exists within the country, but to understand ways in which it could creep overseas, I think is important in figuring out how to best address the issue. I just think that, that this area is, there's so many factors involved um, and ways in which it can play out that affects not only people in China, but people around the world, it, it deserves uh, more, more attention. Yeah, I think it's incredible that you've been able to explore that issue so thoroughly with the Schwarzman Scholars Program, or even to live through like digitalization and what that means for China. To conclude, the last question that I have to ask is just what piece of advice would you want to share with those who are interested in the Schwarzman Scholars Program or who are navigating the application process right now, especially given the conditions that we're under today? This virus and crisis has really highlighted the importance of the program and I think that this would be a fascinating time for future cohorts um, starting next year. I think that it's going to be fascinating to be in China as the world recovers from this pandemic and as U.S.-China relations are trying to work through what is perhaps, you know, the most challenging era yet um, for the two countries. Um, and so I, I think in terms of the appeal to the program, I, I think that this is a great time to apply. I guess for advice, I think it's just important to represent yourself authentically and, and really tell the program what you want to get out of the program. And it doesn't need, you know, you don't need a China background to gain a lot from the program or for the program to gain a lot from your presence there. So 
you don't need to make up a reason that makes sense to, to go. I think if you look, really ask yourself what you're curious about uh, learning from an ex- a year in China and try to distinguish yourself based on what makes you unique in, in the application process. As Amanda also mentioned, there is no need to have a background in China. In fact, many of my best friends in the program did not speak a word Chinese, but it's important to have a strong interest, I think, in the country. Uh, and my advice for that is just to read up a little bit on a topic in China that interests you. It could be about digitalization. It could be about uh, political institutions, the media, entertainment, um, you know, even just seemingly surface level articles about how, let's say, Marvel movies need to include certain things in order to be shown in China. Just something that pikes your interest and that you can dive deep into. Because as was mentioned already, your genuine, authentic interest in China and also interest in what you've done already is going to be a major factor in your application. And there are so many stages where they check that, where they check your authenticity. Uh, They look for it in your essays. And when you're doing your interviews, you have a panel of some of the most intimidating, but also amazing uh, senior leaders from around the world who can, who are really good at telling whether you genuinely believe in what you're saying or not. Uh, And so that would be my advice. Find a genuine thing that interests you about China and see how that works into your plans for the future.